We go inward in order to go outward. We have been systematically trained all our lives to sever ourselves from our own wisdom, from our bodies, and from our intuition and discernment. I'm Karen Hibner. I'm a spiritual director and podcast producer. I help women and folks of other oppressed identities heal from internalized oppression and trauma and go public with their wild and wonderful contribution to this world so that we can all heal together. Through spiritual direction, we can realign with our intuition or inner knowing and tap into the self-trust necessary to move confidently through this life. This is how we heal. After we realign with ourselves and the wisdom that is inherently in us, we go public so other folks can experience healing too. In this space, we'll explore all the different topics that come up in moving toward your most authentic self as well as deconstruction and rebuilding beliefs and how we grow in self-trust, self-confidence, and realign with our own inner wisdom so that we can go public and bring that wisdom to the world. Welcome to this wild and wonderful journey with me. I'm thrilled for you to heal and go public. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being here today for another episode of Heal and Go Public. So I have an amazing guest today. My guest is a great friend of mine. We've gotten connected through being entrepreneurs in this online business space, and our relationship has just continued to grow and grow. We text each other multiple times a week about all of the things, <laughs> spiritual decondition, or deconditioning and deconstruction, and also business, what it looks like to be a human and a woman that is working through deconditioning and also owning a business business. But this friend is also in such an overlapping space as me. We are both in the colleagues in the podcasting world and podcasting space, as well as doing our own, like I mentioned, deep spiritual and internal work as well. So I adore her. I trust her voice. I love it. She actually offers services around podcast guesting strategy. And I'll read you her bio, but we wanted to have a conversation today. We're always talking about what we offer our clients, if there's a way that we can collaborate, what it looks like to be in this wild and wonderful and like wild west space of podcasting. And so we wanted to come on today and have a conversation about what it looks like to be public in the podcasting space, what it looks like to stay and remain public, to maintain all of the things that we have to maintain in our own personal lives and worlds in order to get ourselves to record or jump on the mic. And also what we give to clients as far as Casey's going to give us a little bit today, as far as what she talks about with clients in what it looks like to be a guest, what it looks like to be a host, what it looks like to ask people on a show, what it looks like to pitch yourself to be on other shows, to be a guest and why all of those things are important. So we'll try to cover all of those things through this super organic kind of friends together conversation. So so Casey Hayes is a podcast guesting strategist and writer who helps thought leaders and service providers amplify their message with podcast guesting. When she's not at her desk, she's usually on the porch reading, baking something sweet, or tooling up and down the river with her husband on their boat. So, oh my goodness, Casey, I can't even believe this is the first time we're doing this, but thank you so much for being here today with me. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited. So just for us to set up a little bit foundation of like who you are, how you are a little bit, can you give us a little bit, I know I just read your bio, but can you give us a little bit more about like who you are and the work that you do? 
Yeah. So like you said, I'm a podcast guesting strategist. I also help with podcast content repurposing. So I'm kind of all in the podcast content space. So I help clients get booked as guests on other shows. And I also help them if they have a podcast of their own, you don't have to have a podcast to be a podcast guest. But if you also have a podcast of your own, and maybe you're using guesting to grow your own show, I also provide content writing services. So I will convert your episode into like a blog that's optimized for SEO, lists all the resources that you talked about, all the links and all that good stuff in it. And I help you figure out strategy for being a guest. I take a very targeted approach and I don't have a lot of clients on my client book for that reason, because I like to work really closely with people, get to know their personality. I feel like kind of a matchmaker between the client and the potential host or show that they want to connect with. And I personally have to really take my time and be very intentional and like actually listen to episodes of the potential shows before I'll do outreach on their behalf. But I love it. It's so much fun. Mm, Thank you for that. And how I know that this is a massive question. So whatever you want to give, how have you like, what has your journey looked like? Or how have you found yourself in kind of this offering space? Oh, yes. So like in the podcasting world, maybe wherever, wherever you want to go. I started my business a few years ago as a content writer. And so I was writing like B2B articles for healthcare companies because that was my expertise at that time. My day job was medical biller and coder. And so that's the type of companies I was helping support through like blog content and content strategy. And so I did that for a while, did a lot of stuff I didn't like, did a lot of stuff I did like. And I just couldn't quite figure out how to get into a space that I really, it just felt like something was missing. I was like, this isn't really what I want to be doing, but I'm not sure what I do want to be doing. Cause like, you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. I heard a woman on a podcast. Actually, let me tell you this first part. I started my content writing business because of a podcast that I heard. So I put in, I think I put in like freelance writing or something in Apple Podcasts just to search for it and see if there were any topics about it. Found my first business coach that way, joined her program. She had a little course at the time teaching people how to become freelance writers, like all the basics of setting your business up, how to get clients, all that good stuff. And plus it was just so nice to have her as a mentor. I know you and I have talked a lot about like the mentorship space and how helpful it is to have someone who's done this thing before to guide you and like give you expectations and kind of, cause it just feels like you're in this wild west area, like you said. And so I started my writing business because of that. Then I found another podcast where it was Christina Craven and she mm-hmm. was talking about being a VA for life coaches. And what she specifically did as a VA. And a lot of that was stuff that I wanted to be doing as a content writer. And I was like, maybe I'm looking under the wrong title. Like I'm telling people I'm a content writer and they're like, I don't know what that is. But if Mm -hmm. you tell them you're a VA, they're like, oh, I can get you to write my blogs. I can get you to help me with my podcast. Like you can publish Mm -hmm. episodes and you can do all these things. And so I kind of pivoted from content writer title to VA for life coaches. And a lot of life coaches have podcasts. 
and I already liked podcasts. I'm already listening to them, changing my life based on podcast episodes that I've heard. <laughs> I actually reached out to Christina, emailed her mm-hmm. and asked her if she would be willing to mentor me or just drop me like one email just to kind of point me in the right direction of how to actually pivot into, you know, being a virtual assistant. And she was so generous. Like we still have a relationship to this day. And she was so kind and like, so was so willing to share with me. I even actually helped her with her business at one point. And so I kind of got my foot in the door that way. And then she was able to give referrals for me and I was able to grow my business through her. And it was just like such a lovely, meaningful relationship that happened again, because of a podcast. Mm. But as coaches have podcasts, typically, I realized I really liked that medium, getting to listen to their shows. And, you know, at the time I was helping with social media. So I would like identify those really good, like strong pull quotes for like social media quote posts or create like the little audiograms to post on Instagram so they can hear a clip of it. And I was like, sometimes I would sit there and be like, I can't believe this is my job where I get to sit here and listen to people podcasts yes, and get paid for it. Cause I do this for free. <laughs> yes. It's amazing. Yes. 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 That's awesome. And I want to say too, I know Christy, Christina Craven also in different capacities, as far as like, I helped produce it for her for a little while when she was doing a different show and was like in a different stage of offerings with her business and everything. Yes. Um, but anybody that is looking at becoming a virtual assistant or, or is in that world or anything like that, Christina Craven is an incredible resource and has a beautiful business right now also. Mm -hmm. So just to say that shout out to her. Thank you for that. And also you've alluded to this. You said this shortly in a couple of different ways, but can you tell me about just like, tell me about your love for the medium. Tell me what you love about podcasts. Mm, That's a good question. I don't think I've ever sat down and really thought about what it is. I love about it. I think it's like the openness to be so expressive. There's something about the podcast medium to me that goes beyond what we normally see written in blogs or talked about on social media, which my relationship with social media is complicated as it is. (laughs) And sometimes I'll want to be on there and sometimes I don't. And of course that affects your like receptivity to things, which is kind of the whole point of being on there. Mm -hmm. And, but with podcasts, you get to be really intentional about who you choose to listen to like versus scrolling on the reels page or something. And you're just kind of watching various videos of content creators and stuff. Yes. There's something very intentional about podcasting. And to me, my favorite podcasts are the conversational ones. I know there are a lot that are like solo podcasts and I get a lot out of those too, Mm -hmm. but there's just something about conversation between two people. That's like, feels very organic and almost like you want to be in the room with them. And I think those are the ones that really resonate with people and make you, and that's what makes you, makes them memorable. It makes you remember them. Podcasting feels so open. Like mm. anyone can podcast. Like you don't, yes. there's no barrier really to, to entry on creating a podcast and expressing yourself and getting your ideas out there. I think those yes. are just a few things I really like about it. Yes. I love just what you mentioned at the end there, the accessibility of the medium for creating and also 
consuming. I think that it's really beautiful. It's easy to get podcasts. It's also easy to create. You can spend as little or as much as you want to set yourselves up yourself up to create a show. It also, I love as an artist too, I love that you can be like as creative as you desire with the medium also. And it's funny because like in my arts background, audio was never like a really big piece for me. I was always a visual artist, but with some video skills, like entered the world of audio a little bit. It's also such a, this is getting a little bit conceptual, but it's also audio generally is like so mysterious in like how we capture it. Like we're literally capturing vibrations and the, the whole digital side of it now too, is like just so bananas to me. I just think that it's like so beautiful and that there are podcasts out there that are literally like sound explorations, like artists that are doing like sound Mm. explorations and they put out these like little clips of that. But then there's everything from that to going to podcasts for entertainment, for education, for like, it's the same way with books or with anything like that, as far as the breadth of the content that we can have out there, being able to see that the medium can be used for purely for storytelling with like highly produced interjections of composed music for that piece, you know, like everything it's like, it's kind of like film in that way as well, as far as like, this Mm. can be as high level and creative and like conceptual as we desire. And also it can literally like with a lot of my clients, it can literally just be a way for somebody to put out all of their value and their goodness that they're trying to get out with their service-based business out there so that people can kind of find them and connect with them. And Therefore, this like very, I mean, one of my biggest things in all of life is connection. And so Mm. being able to connect with one another through story, through this medium, I think, and a thing that comes in through our ears and that we like hear, feel, experience versus like reading or like putting out zines, putting out books, putting out, you know, like it's just accessible in a different way. So yeah. Which is funny because I didn't always, when I kind of felt, I feel like, I mean, I say I fell, of course, I'm also acknowledging we all make very specific intuitive choices that lead us on our paths of where we're going. And also I feel that I fell into podcasting and I was very cynical and very like skeptical of the medium and how long it would last. And now Mm. I am like totally sold. I'm totally obsessed. And I think part of that is, and you can probably speak to this too, part of this is seeing the power of the medium for that connection for my clients. And therefore, Mm -hmm. especially I work specifically with clients that are offering some sort of healing, like an inner work, like coaches that are focusing on like, and and even like one my coach, that's a business coach. There's so much healing that's present in owning our own businesses and right? Having to like choose that every day and get through our own ick that keeps us from working, from taking action, from like all of those things, right? So knowing the power of what these shows are doing in people's lives. And let's not forget like financial freedom for women that she's creating access to also. So that's a massive healing piece, but the power of this medium to connect folks. Absolutely. Well, I think as you were saying that it just, it made me wonder why I chose the word matchmaker, but it is because it's such like, it's kind of a deep connection that you can have with people when you're a podcast guest and you're looking to like connect with other hosts. I feel like I've gotten to facilitate so many introductions between 
potential guests and hosts. And it's so it's so interesting always for me as the person popping up in the stranger's inbox with my little thoughtful, intentional email pitch. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, I think I really have someone that would be good for you. But what do you think? And here's, you know, here's why. But what do you think? And so often, I think because I do take that approach and it's very targeted and very personal, I have a lot of good response from it. And it's been so fun to see the types of shows that my clients can can be on and like just even though they can, might be talking about the same types of topics, that particular host will bring out different aspects of those topics because their connection is different. Yes. And it's so interesting because you learn like these clients are people that I know, like I know their story. That's why I can pitch them well, but you'll still learn something that that, mm-hmm. that particular host will pull out. You're like, I didn't even know that. It's yes. so fascinating. Yes. And I know that you and I have talked about before too, as far as like when people come to you, they may have a scope that's like one centimeter wide as far as the types of shows that they could guest on. Right. And to also acknowledge that when we widen that, there's just so much possibility there. As far as like you and I, I I would say you're very creative too. Like you and I being creatives, we're able to look at it and be like, no, 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 actually all of these topics, like all of, you know, and you, especially Mm -hmm. like all of these topics, all of these shows fit because of like you being an integrated human being and what you can offer through this lens. Right. So one of, and this is like a a little bit of, I'm going to backtrack with us for a second, but I'm going to go here first. One of my best guests that I've ever had on my show was a sex coach. So helping folks, especially coming out of which this is, if you look at it, it is like so directly aligned with what I do, but folks that have experienced purity culture, especially helping them kind of wake up to get embodied, experience their own bodies. Like this, the, the work that she's doing is almost the same as the work that I'm doing. We're still accessing capital S self. We're working on self-trust. We're working on, you know, all of those things. It's just a different on-ramp. And Mm. I'll talk about this later too, but like she was such an incredible guest because she took 15 minutes at the beginning of our call to get to know me and my languaging and was able to like truly offer herself. She was able to like adapt a little bit and truly offer herself through the lens of the work that I do. So even taking on some of my scaffolding of like functional beliefs, held beliefs, current beliefs, like all of these things that I work with people through spiritual direction and was able to apply those to the work that she does, which I don't know if I, I, I couldn't do this in the moment. She's brilliant. Yeah. But was able to truly just be with me and offer herself through a lens that like, I really understood and my guest, my audience is super familiar with, but I feel like that's getting into how to be a good guest, but I want to backtrack a little bit and I will just set the foundation too, as far as, so from to clarify too, what I do is work with, I I'm an editor, I'm a producer, I'm working with people that have their own shows. They have their shows. They want something to get out into the world. So something I wanted to name is that on a consult call, I'm always talking about the beauty of the medium, the importance of the medium. And then what you are hitting on too, as far as like that power of, and both of us were hitting on this, but like that power of connection that comes with it. And for business owners, the thing that I always tell folks is, especially with a relational business and a service, service-based business like that, like coaching, to have a medium, to have a place where somebody can come and find you and like, or find you and then get this piece of you. I 
I'll talk in I language. I get to pour so much of who I am and how I am out into the space so that people can know before they come to a consult call or before they come to like a one-on-one spiritual direction session, like kind of, they have an idea of like, if they're going to work with me, they have an idea of like, if they like my, my content and my take. And I think it's in a way they even hear my voice. They like, there's something very deeply relational Mm -hmm. about it. That's different than, cause I know you have your feet in both of these worlds, which is interesting, but like, it's different than what lives on my website. It's different Mm -hmm. than the, like, it's probably the same voice as what's on my website, but you get a deeper cut of me here than you could ever get on a website. Right. And I can give so much of my stuff away for free in a way that doesn't threaten my business or my services or my offerings. Right. Yeah. Cause what are people going to get in a like 15, 30 minute hour long episode versus what they're going to get working with me once, you know, two times a month for six months. So just the power of like this, this, this medium, but specifically as a tool for, we can call it marketing. Cause it would be like, it would fall within the marketing budget to like pay an editor and like all of that. Right. But a tool of connection, connecting with future clients, um, prospective clients, mm-hmm. just an audience in general, or folks that will connect you to future clients and prospective clients. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just think that it's so powerful. It's hard when I get on a consult, people see how much it costs to work with me. And it's hard. It can be hard to justify it because an ROI is hard to see. Yes. And This is, I argue that this is one of the deepest connections you can make with your audience as far as offering yourself out in this way. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes, when you were talking, I saw like the word intimate pop in my, like, I just had the flash of that word and you were saying a deeper cut. You're saying basically the same thing, but it is like a more intimate. There's something intimate about getting to know someone through their voice like they're speaking directly to you. You get to spend like the way we consume content now too is like, we're so used to binging a lot and people can binge your episodes and really get a sense of who you are, what you're like in a way that we haven't been able to do before in a way that a 15, 30 minute discovery call cannot do. Yes. Yes. And absolutely. And that's why I love that you use the word matchmaker too, because like that intimate and that matchmaker makes so much sense. It is like this connection of, for me, I mean, I just clarified in in the last thing that I said too, as far as like, if I just stay in marketing language and like data points and like all of that, like, I'm not interested. That's like something that's special to me and my editing and my business and like my podcast consulting is data is important on some level. And also data is data. Like we like there's, I always tell people this piece as far as in the podcasting world, I don't, this may have changed since I've looked, but in the podcasting world, it's like important that when you look at release days, what day to release my podcast, right? If we look at the data, podcasts are consumed the most on like Tuesday mornings or something like that. Um, don't quote me here, y'all. Tuesday mornings. Also, if we look at other stats, that is the day that everybody releases, because it's said mm. that that's the, so it's like this circular, it's like the like snake eating its tail thing, right? Yes. It's like, it's like 
okay, we release all of these shows on this day because we see that that's the day when people are consuming the most content on pods. And also people are consuming the most content on pods that day at that time, because that's when they're all being released. So it's like, (laughs) we maybe shouldn't make a bunch of decisions based off of this type of data or like these statistics, right? So looking at like what statistics are actually important, what I'm looking at, what do I want? So even in within within that scope of like, what is my return on investment of like paying an editor to create this show? If I'm only looking at downloads, if I'm only looking at listens, you know, like that kind of Mm -hmm. thing versus looking at all of the people that have joined my email list all of the people, you know, like it's all Mm -hmm. about my foundation is that it is relationship and connection. And for me, connection is the definition of spirituality. Like it's like connection is why we're here and what we're doing about existence. Mm -hmm. And so there's a bigger kind of piece for me of why we would be putting this content out into the world because part of our purpose here is to connect with one another. So that may be a deeper cut than some folks want, but like also within that, the relationship piece connects really closely to, there's a lot of opportunity with organic growth with podcasts, right? So Mm -hmm. organic Mm -hmm. growth of audience because of podcasts. So people come into the podcast, then they join the newsletter, then they join, you know, and that has kind of an inherent built-in funnel to it all. And also the organic growth piece is where your service offering becomes so incredibly important. And let me also name too, that when you, when you name all that you do, as far as like the podcast um, repurpose, like content repurposing and all of that also, y'all, she does SEO like stuff for your show notes and your keywords and your, you know, all of that repurposing this content, this, I think all of the time about how much work and how much effort goes into creating this pod and how much content that could create in all of these other spheres, like you do this and like also, and then, but the pitching piece, the, the guesting, guesting piece is such a massive piece of organic growth. I was just telling Casey before we started recording, I have a podcast client, massive podcast, massive business, multi-million dollar business that a couple of years ago when it was still a multi-million dollar business was like, you know, I'm just not seeing the growth that some of these, some of my colleagues with other shows with smaller audiences are seeing with their podcasts, like what's happening, which again, to go back to the stats conversation is a little bit of a, like, let's look at it. Let's see what meaning can we really make? And at the same time, my biggest question became, are you doing interviews with other people? So such a massive thing with podcasting and hosting is also being willing to be a guest because the fastest way to get people coming and listening to your show, I don't care about Facebook ads. I don't care about Google ads. Like that kind of stuff for podcasts is a little bit meh. I would say more look at those for your direct to service offerings. Like if you're creating an ad directly for your services, maybe podcasts though on Pinterest and also being on other people's shows incredible. And then using, reusing your podcasting stuff on all of your other platforms. Right. But I've been talking for 10 minutes straight. So I'm going to ask you a question. I promise. (laughs) Um, Can you tell me a little bit of, I just gave such a, a big take on this, but like, or maybe a little bit, but the importance of organic growth and how you see guesting being a guest on other shows, like elemental in a desire for organic growth. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So 
when you guest on someone else's show, you get exposure. So it's like, obviously you get exposure to all of their listeners, but you can also get exposure to the listeners of other guests. So how many times have you listened to a podcast like XYZ podcast and your favorite? Literally never thought about this. Okay. I'm sorry. Right. It is kind of, it kind of is like a mind blown kind of moment. Yeah. It it explodes your brain a little bit, but when you think about it, like, yeah, say you tune into this podcast to listen to, I don't know, like Wes Anderson or something is on a podcast and you're listening to him give an interview. And then you kind of scroll down some more episodes of the same podcast and maybe like, I just watched a bunch of Met Gala stuff. So now all these Met Gala people are popping in my head. So maybe Nicole Kidman gave an interview and now you're listening to that, but that's not the purpose of why you were going to listen. You wanted to listen to Wes Anderson and now you Mm -hmm. find yourself listening to Nicole Kidman and finding out what she's up to and what movie she's going to be in next. Yes. And it's the same thing with podcast guesting. So if you're a guest on a show and you are then also exposed to the listeners of other guests and it's like, impossible to really track or impossible to really like you were talking about gather data about specifically but that type of opportunity just isn't really available in other mediums like it's specific to podcasting and it's like a very intimate conversational thing and i feel like podcast listeners are generally kind of open and conversational conversational themselves And I think it's just a really unique way to, if we're going to say like marketing language, to market yourself that way. I think one of the barriers of podcast guesting is that people feel really weird talking about themselves and pitching themselves. And that's why Um, they ask me. (laughs) And that's why you do it. Yes. That's I've joked to you before too, as far as like, I used to, when I was still trying to be in more conventional jobs and roles, like, especially right after my master's program. I had to have my partner essentially write my cover letters for me because like, I have such a hard time, like talking about myself and what I do. And especially cover letter format where you're like, I'm amazing. This is what I can offer you. Like that is not me. But also at the same time, like, I feel like you are, at least I can speak from my personal experience of like, you can see the good of like what people are offering. You see people's like magic touch and like all of that. And you are like, you become, you're an amazing hype woman and you can see the, like, co- like the, the coalescences is the only word that's coming to my mind, which does not make sense, but the commonalities between these shows and why they would be a good fit. You've sent me Mm -hmm. some, you've sent me shows before that you've come across and that you found that I would never be like, Oh yeah, I'm a perfect fit for this. But then once you like, tell me about it and you tell me that I'm a perfect fit, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like in that way, like I can completely and totally see it. So guesting Massively important. I want to just create like a tiny sidebar note right here. Also that if you are a host and a podcast host, it's also incredibly important to have guests on your show, especially early on when you launch that show. I always suggest for people to do a mix of depending on what your show format looks like. And these are all conceptual decisions that you make in the beginning of your show. And throughout, we do not build shows and then they are set in stone. I am very much against that. We morph and we change shows as we like morph and change as humans. Yes. But (laughs) 
I am very much yes. against any sort of recipe for a successful show. The And this is like a totally different sidebar, but if we think that creating the like an exact format from the beginning and we're going to stay interested and engaged enough to continue maintaining the show for years, that's not going to happen. Like I will never stay interested enough in a show that does not have permission to change. I will yes. never do it. Right. So yeah. sidebar within a sidebar, but hosts have guests on your shows also that also increases your traffic, increases your audience just by that person's like, and have them share on social media, have them put it in their newsletter. All of that increases the people that are coming into your audience and your orbit and also just helps out this person. So there's this like beautiful pay it forward at the same time. Well, actually mutual aid because they're lending you their, their audience and their people at the same time that you are borrowing on their experience, their story, their expertise, and all of that to offer to your existing audience. And getting to be in dialogue with somebody shows so much more about you than just monologuing like you're yes. like what you offer to people. Totally. Right. Yes. So I always suggest a mix of both in the beginning because you have to get traction. I've also have shows that have taken breaks where they don't have any guests for a while and that works and that's beautiful. And I think it's once you have an audience kind of going, but then I also suggest like going through waves, like bringing guests back on. Yeah. Um, I and even it's very have personal. Yeah. It's a very yes. personal decision and you should be able to change it however and whenever. Oh my gosh. Yes. You want. Just like you said. Yeah. Yes. I always say that like your audience is going to come like expecting a certain thing. And also like, all you have to do is update them. Like people mm. want comfort and people want like our brains desire control. So we may desire to know exactly what we're getting. And also we can kind of bridge that gap by being connected to our audience mm. in a way that we're just going to, we're going to update them. Like we're including this in the space now, or like maybe there's a transition period of both and, or like whatever. I love that. So hosts invite guests also, but back to guesting, um, Casey, can you, I love when you do some posts about this stuff because it can get so fun, but can you tell me about what it looks like to, and I know that there's an entire process before you actually become a guest and we can get into that as well, but you can, can you tell me a little bit about what it looks like to be a good guest? Yeah, I think a good guest offers, well, first of all, in like your initial outreach to the host, I would include three to five talking points that they can choose from to discuss on their show. That's something that I include in my custom email template when I'm pitching people and get specific with it. Like I've seen some really vague bullet points that are just kind of tossed. We can talk about life and work. Yeah. Like let's talk about how to maximize your career. And it's like, what oh does that even gosh. mean? <laughs> that could mean anything. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, so get real specific. One thing I like to do is I'll go through if if the client that's, you know, I'm working with has like a blog or has a lot of past content, I will like mine those blogs and look at their social media and all that stuff and figure out what's the most like what grabs me because you whatever is going to grab me is going to grab a host. They're going to be like, oh, that's interesting. We haven't really talked about that specific thing before. But I would say include three to five speaking points that you can speak to specifics. Like I would just blurb it out like in bold. Here's the thing we can talk about. And then like a supporting sentence or two so that the host is very clear. Like this is what I mean by 
X. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, here's how to maximize your career. It's like, here's how to maximize your career by doing this, this, and this. And I can talk to your listeners about how they can do this, this, and this, and like give specific takeaways that they know that their listeners, when they're done with the episode, they're like, oh, okay, I learned how to do this. Yes. So Amazing. I would say include that in your follow-up, which people forget about follow-up, but in your follow-up, don't be annoying. Be respectful of the host's inbox. So I would say follow-up at like 14 days and 30 days, and then leave it alone. You can follow up monthly if you want to after that, but I would not follow up after five days. Hey, did you get my email? Or 10 days like, hey, um, just bumping this to the top of your inbox or, you know, yes, you have their email address, but that doesn't mean you need to kind of harass. That's not going to entice hosts to bring you on their show if you're harassing them before you've even had an interview. It's like dating. Like, don't like, don't be weird. Like, don't be weird. Don't make it weird. Yeah. Don't make it weird. You'll get ghosted and then you'll just have to move on to the next. Yeah. Yes. Definitely sharing. Like you said, sharing about the episode after the episode's been recorded, make sure you talk about it. Cause a lot of people forget that, but share it on social media, tag the host, tag their show. If those have different handles, send like a thank you email after you've recorded and maybe offer to swap recordings or something like have them on your show now, if they want to do something like that. Yes. What else? Like some people have media kits and some people don't. I don't think they're required. A lot of shows do ask for headshots now because they like to create either the podcast like episode cover or their social media posts. They like to have their guests picture in it. So I would say have a picture handy. You don't necessarily have to send it to them before they asked because they might not ask for it, but have something like that handy so you can send it to them and get anything they ask for to them in like a timely manner. Because there might be people on their team that need it, like they might need to distribute it, you know, and if you wait until the last minute, it might be too late for them to pass it to their team and be able to push it out to the proper channels and all that good stuff. I mean, yeah, it's like you said, it really is like dating. So anything that you wouldn't do when you're dating, don't do it (laughs) when you're kind of like courting your potential podcast host. Yeah, don't be weird. And like, don't. Like, I would say also like, keep your expectations like Mm. at a realistic level. Like, you know, like I don't, and I don't even know necessarily what that means right now, but like with the dating piece, I feel like it came up like, like as far as timelines of response, like all of that, just like grain of salt. Remember that everybody's a human, always assume the best, like all of those just like Mm -hmm. general human, like best practice things as well. Yeah. That's yeah, really. (laughs) And truly, like, that's something I remind clients about a lot, too. If they ever start to feel discouraged about like, oh, I thought we would have more podcasts booked by now. Or, you know, do you think we should change our strategy? And this is like after 30 days. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I don't think we should. I think we should keep at it a little while longer. Yes, Um, 30 days is not a yeah, it's not enough time. Mm -hmm. But a million things could happen to that pitch email. So like you said, to assume the best and like, maybe they haven't seen it. Maybe it went to their spam folder. Maybe their VA accidentally deleted it. Maybe, you know, it could be, maybe their inbox is spilling over with stuff and they just didn't see it yes. come up. You know, yes. I can't tell you how many times I've sent the 14 day follow-up email, just like, Hey, just wanted to check back in, see if you think 
so-and-so would be a, you know, a good potential collaboration mm-hmm. and they will respond back. Oh my gosh. I never even saw this. I'm so glad you followed up. Like almost yes. nine times out of 10. Yeah. Yes. Or I would, this is giving away a lot of me, but I would probably read it. And it's like too many decisions for in the moment too. So I'd be oh, like, Oh, I'll get yes. back to it. And then it'll just like die in my inbox somewhere. Yes. So then for somebody to send a follow-up is like, so absolutely key for me. Someone that is very high anxiety has a hard time. Like when I'm with my daughter, you know, when I'm with my daughter, Da, 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 trying to work at the same time. And an email comes in for that's asking for more of my time and energy to make a decision right then. Nope. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to even catalog in my brain that it exists. So just to like stress the importance of that, like very kind follow-up email also not like two days afterwards, like yeah. <laughs> give me some space and time. Cause like, I will schedule a time to sit down and try to get to stuff that I've missed. Yes. Yes. And also too, I think something that I would add to that, and this goes for both sides, like hosts that are like reaching out for people to be guests, like everybody has a different process of what this looks like. So also look on like when you go to websites and that sort of thing, look for first before you send emails, like look for forms look for like applications for depending on the size of the show, they may have an application for being a guest. They may have a form for you to fill out for a proposal for a topic, like that kind of stuff. And then also for hosts, something that I don't have applications to be on like my show, but just be mindful of their workflows and honor those things if they have created them. Yes. But also on the other side of it too, is I will send out an initial email to invite someone to be on the show. I've also compared notes with you and asked you for help here too, as far as like, do people want, I love that you mentioned the like media kit. Some people have media kits, some people don't. Also, you don't necessarily need to give them things until they ask for them. Like everybody's going to want something different. So like you said, your example was like the headshots. I don't use different headshots. I keep things very simple for myself. It's always the same album artwork, like that kind of thing and templates for social media. Other people have headshots in their templates, like all of that. So wait until they ask or they send you a form for things like that. You've also, you've also suggested to me as I like invite people on my show, like, They don't need numbers unless they ask for numbers, like audience Mm -hmm. size, like any of that. And most of the people that I've talked with have never asked for numbers. People are just so thrilled to share, to feel asked to share themselves and their work with other people so far. So, and as like, as people grow and are in different dialogues with bigger shows and that kind of thing, that may become more of a thing, but also maybe not. Like I said, everybody's different as a host also that's having guests. And this could be like you, like Casey's creating templates, like you're creating templates also that you're working with for each person to create these pitches automation, like making things easy for yourself is so important in this whole process because you're already maintaining all of the things that are already within your marketing strategies and also putting this on the plate too. So such a massive thing. I mean, like, obviously this is why Casey's here, but like, I can't say enough, like why it would help to have somebody like on your team that's helping you do this and does this for you. But hosts, when you're asking for guests and that kind of thing, I have automated as much of my process as possible. So people get a form 
to fill out when they're going to be a guest. They fill in a bio, they fill in a bunch of questions and and they can fill in as much or as, and as little as they desire to, but they fill in a bunch of questions that would add to me developing questions for them in the space. So I always have some go-to questions, but then I also know some questions that I'm going to ask that are specific to the person that I'm talking to, which feels very important as a host. If I come as an audience listener to the show and every single interview is always the same questions, that's not for me. That may be for other people because that may be more interesting. I'm not interested in that. So catering the space to the person that I'm sitting with as well and doing, making that easy on myself by not having to go dig through their website or anything like that. They're giving me the information that I can go off of. And I ask it in a way that's within the context and the intention of my show. So like what healing work are they in? What do they offer for people? How do they see this create transformation in the world? Like all of those things are part of the questions. And then, like I said, just to mention again, it does ask for a bio. So I have that ready to go. It's they have to give me a bio before they can schedule their interview. So like, that's also important, or at least it's intended to, I think my CRM is messing it up. I got to figure it out. But when they fill out the form, then they can schedule their, their own interview. So I don't have to look at the calendar. I don't have to do all of this stuff. And also to say too, for hosts, I, and I know that um, you're looking more at the guesting lens. So I'll try to make it quick, but if you need to, if those questions don't feel sufficient, or if you know, you're not going to sit down and read those answers before ahead of time, some of my clients will also schedule in like, so instead of scheduling the interview right away after the form, have them schedule a 15 minute call get to know the person a little bit before y'all are on a recording so that you sound a little bit less like strangers or robots and a little bit more like yes. friends. Because yes. when you feel safe in the space as a host and they feel safe in the space as a guest, so much more is going to come out. And that's such a massive keeping your audience in mind. This is always for the audience and the offering there. It's going to be way more meaningful and powerful for your audience to have two people that are relating as safe, the safest humans they can be in the space rather than this very like nerve ball, you know, like nervous energy. Do you have any thoughts you can add to any of that? Yeah. Well, no, when you said that, it reminded me a lot of the pitching that I did for a client recently the hosts were responding with like, hey, let's book like a 15 minute, just kind of get to know you call. And then later when I would kind of watch for those episodes to come out, those episodes were so good because they yes. had already built up a rapport. They weren't total strangers, just like trying to like bat words back and forth over the microphone and like figure out what's going on like during the recording. Yes, It made such a huge difference. Like you're yes. totally right. And I would say at the very least, like plan, like for, I would say even like 10, 15 minutes before you hit the record button, when you jump on. And I would say I, it's an art though. Don't go too long because you're going to start getting into the conversations that you want recorded. And then they're going to sound like rerun yeah. conversations on the recording yes. or like, I've even done this oh today, God, but when you're like, we just talked about this before we started recording, I hate that. And I do it oh my all gosh, of the yes. time. So just trying to avoid that at the same time as like getting a feel for one another. I also always ask in, um, this is still for hosts, but I mean, it's good for everybody to know. And guests can do this also. You can make your host feel more comfortable with you also. But when you jump on that 15 minute call or when you jump on that um, recording and you're doing the, the chat beforehand, ask what somebody would like to know about you as a human or, or like about you that would help them 
feel safer in the space. Like I have folks that will come on and just ask me like, like, Oh, where do you live? Do you have a family? Like, you know, like, what does this, like, what does your everyday life look like? And then those are often things that we can relate back to in the episode, like that become examples for our dialogue. So like parenting can come up if somebody knows that I'm a parent, you know, like all of that. So anyway, just like creating especially in this world, as we learn more and more about polyvagal theory and like all of that, creating safety in this virtual space is really important when the big giveaway in the space is us. And we're mm. the connection, we're the touchstones for the services that we're trying to sell from creating this space. Mm. Right. I love that. That's beautiful. And I think, yeah, that ties into like, when you're guesting or when you're hosting, like, I think this happens to a lot of us where we get a really narrow focus when it comes to guesting or hosting. Like we think ahead of time, like, oh, the episode only needs to talk about ABC. And when you were talking about making people comfortable as a human and talking about like parenting or where do you live or what's your family life like or whatever, like you might think that's not relevant. Like we don't need to talk about that. We don't have time to talk about that. This is a business podcast. And it's like, but we are humans doing business. And like, it made me think of a client that I just had recently. And you spoke to this a little bit earlier about how the focus is gets so narrow and they don't realize how narrow it is when they're looking for shows to pitch to. And so this client, wonderful client has an amazing podcast of her own. And like, I could not say enough wonderful things about her. She thought that she was only a fit for a very small subset of podcasts. And I was like, okay, so you would be a fit for these and I will reach out to these. Also, you would be a fit for like this, this niche, this niche and this niche, because you have so much experience in all these different things. It was like travel, digital nomad life, being an entrepreneur. She's a woman in business, like all these different things that were not her original focus. And I just think it helps us all so much to realize like, to kind of just embrace the messy humanness and not try to make podcasting be so like rigid because that's really not what the space is for in my opinion like all those things we talked about while we love podcasting at the beginning of the episode like mm-hmm. none of that to me says let's be rigid and like very conforming mm-hmm. And I just think it helps to have like a broader scope and like a bigger, it's so much bigger than we realize. Like the impact that you're having with podcasting is so much bigger than yes, is this specific episode, the perfect episode. And like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I feel like there's, yes, there's so much opportunity for connection in like not being a perfect human also. And like, so like, no matter what the topic is, no matter what the access point is for the dialogue, for someone to have you pop into their life and have this conversation where we are just like humans being humans. Cause that's how we see ourselves. And that's how we want to, we want to see that reflected in other people. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And being able to pull out and like, talk about like, even today, like I get to admire the work that you do and admire the knowledge that you bring to the space that I do not have. 
and like vice versa, right? Like, and people totally. get to hear that and see that and also hear our friendship and like yes. all of those things that is like, it's fun. Like it's fun in the way that it's fun to watch a TV show sometimes or something yes. like that. Like we can know that we're not alone on this like earth rock thing that's flo- flying through space. Right. Like, which I think is just like the most important thing of like anything. And also without, this is going to be the weirdest segue ever, but like also without getting in perfectionism stuff, there are Mm. good, like just what you were saying before, like there are ways to also be a good human and a good guest, like in the, in the space. So like doing the things that you were talking about through the pitching process, not being weird, being relational, like it all boils down to being a good, like be, be a human and like be as kind and as gentle and connecting as possible. And also like, know if you're if it's being filmed which is this is a downfall i have i need to put in my form that we that we record video but we do not use it so like know if you're recording video or not like show up how you want to show up within that realm like if you caffeinate caffeinate before your call so that you're not Mm. like super slow and dragging the energy on this person's show you know like yes i never thought about that that's such a good tip like it's not and like i said i cannot say enough like it's not about perfectionism it's just about what's going to help you show up as the most you and the energy that you want to show up in and also help you relate to this person i struggle a lot with anxiety before i come on a show i'm going to probably do some breath work I'm going to, you know, like I'm going to do all of the things so that I can sit with you and get out of that space of like, oh my God, how am I showing up? What is she thinking of me? Is the, you know, like uh, anything, anything can be anxious making for me. So like distancing from that a little bit and just trying to show up in the space so that I can freely speak my family. I try to have them out of the house if possible you know, that's not always possible, but being in a space where you can just totally be the person that you need, the you that you need to be in the space. Right. Yeah. And like, there's little things like, this is so funny when I'm like perfectionism. No, but like, there's little things like if you need to cough or sneeze, like this is coming from the audio engineering part of me, pull off your microphone. Like you don't Mm -hmm. need to, like, if you have a massive laugh attack, like just the big belly laugh, pull off your microphone, you know, like that kind of thing. And then a big thing that's really important to me, hosts, especially guests, please don't do this. Don't click around. Like while you're on there, like we can hear your clicks, which Mm -hmm. tells me that you are not engaged, which tells me that this conversation is not worth like whatever you need to do to fully engage. And what is worse than that? Like literally what is worse than that when you are having a conversation with someone, you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, tell me what's worse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tracking. I'm tracking. No, absolutely. Like if you, if the guest, if you don't want to be there as the host or the guest, I don't want to be there either. Like if you're telling me that there's something more important and, and even if you're clicking through your notes or your outline, I still hear it. I was like, you could be on Safari right now. Like you could be on like, whatever. I don't know what you're doing. Are you watching a YouTube video? Like, I don't know. Exactly. But so like also keeping in mind neurodivergence and stuff like that, if you Mm. need something to fiddle with, to keep your attention there, get something, but please, for the love of God, make it soundless. Like I have a tiny spring that I hold 
I'm not going to be soundless right now. I have a tiny spring that I hold. I'm going to show Casey. Nobody listening can see it. Casey has seen my spring. I, I fiddle. It. I fiddle with my spring. I keep it in my hand. It is not a pen that I'm clicking the top of. It is a little tiny circular spring that I'm rolling around in my fingers. So you cannot hear it. The mic doesn't pick it up. All of that, whatever. Okay. There's all kinds of stuff now too. Like those yes. little, the little popper toys for kids that look like it looks like you're popping yeah, bubbles. Pop yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, oh my gosh. Yeah, those look fun. There's all kinds of things like that. Also, just that like you can do a quick Google. I think I've put it on social media before as far as just like some good etiquette pieces as far as recording as well. And let your person know too, like if you're a guest and you are going to have a lot of sound in your house that day, like let them know in advance, like even in your, in your like 10 minutes before you start, like, Hey, you may want to put out a caveat just in case you need it. Your editor can cut it out, whatever, you know, like whatever it looks like, as far as like, I have two dogs with me. I have my yes. fur companions with me. Same. They're exact always same. with me. They bark sometimes. I also know mm -hmm. to pause. So this is something for everybody. If there is a big noise in your house. If somebody rings the doorbell and your dogs go fucking nuts, pause, let it happen and retake it. Try to keep your thoughts so that you can retake it. That'll really help people's editors mm. also so that we're not like Franken, what I call Franken cutting things together. <laughs> <laughs> Saves us time love, and energy and we love it. I love getting to hear this like perspective from you as an editor too, though, because as like I've hosted a podcast before and I've like been on podcasts before but I've never like once it, they send it off to the editor and like you don't see it again until it's published and you don't really know like the extent of the work that goes into it and then you get it back and it sounds really good and you're like wow what, what yeah must it's a done? lot what must the work have been I've been a little bit stressed great. out lately this is hilarious this comes from a not great part of me but um, I've been a little bit worried lately that like people are only hearing the like refined version of their interviews. And so they don't realize like how many, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> this yeah. is terrible. This is not helping anybody's like getting away from perfectionism sides. And I'm not saying anybody has to be perfect. I'm not saying to work on this. Even no. I'm not saying there's any action here that needs to be done because this is my job. And a lot, some folks use ums, us, you knows, those connecting words that come from culture, but also come from our insecurity that we're going to lose the spotlight if we don't keep talking all of the time, right? Those filler words are a lot. So I got stressed the other day. I was like, oh my God, people are going to all think that they're amazing speakers because they don't hear my cuts. And then I was like, okay, Karen, this is not a problem. This is not it's like, here's the version you sent to me. And here's mm -hmm. the version I know. that I, should I just look now rendered and you're welcome. I know, right? I should just look <laughs> at it as job security. It is. It really People is. are never going to, and I do it too. People are never going to stop saying, um, you know, it's hard. Does that make sense? Is one of my favorites women, especially. Does that make sense? Oh, Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That's yeah, one. girl. It makes sense. I hear you own it. <laughs> okay. I want to hear more. Do you have anything else to say just about pitching? Cause I know that I jumped right into like how to be a good guest. You, I know you talked about like what that email process looks like. You answered my question way better than I asked it, but do you have anything else to say about pitching? And this is also where we could transfer a little bit into just like what it takes to go and stay public also, as far as like the work we have to do with ourselves. And mm -hmm. we can talk about that from personal experience too. But what else do you have about just pitching generally? 
I would say the most overlooked part of pitching is the follow-up. So I think if you are going to start a pitching process for yourself, schedule in the time to do follow-ups too. So think about when you're thinking about how many people can I afford to like spend my time pitching to this month and say you land on like four, that's still four follow-ups you need to make at 14 and 30 days. And then if you decide that you want to keep following up monthly, that's still four that you need to keep up with every month. So if you're deciding to do four every month for new shows, so you do four shows in January and four new shows in February, then you start to get a little bit of overlap between like the initial pitch email, the follow-up, the next follow-up, deciding if you want to follow up again, all that good stuff. So I make really good use of my reminder. I use Gmail and you can like snooze emails in Gmail to pop up again at whatever date and whatever time you want. And that really helps me keep it straight. But follow-up is really important because if you just send the one initial email out and then don't hear anything back, chances are like they either didn't see it or it could have gotten deleted. Or like you said, they put it, they tagged it for another day and then they just forgot. As long as you're respectful, it's not like a nuisance to show up for other hosts. They are looking for guests. I mean, presumably you've done your research, you found out that they are looking for guests. <laughs> so you're kind of, if you think of it in a way as like, I'm providing them a service by reminding respectfully and consistently, this will pay off for me, it'll pay off for them. They'll have an episode that they can really be proud of. You have to do a lot of work on yourself to like get to a space of feeling comfortable being the person who can say, I would be a good guest for you. Like that is a hard thing to step into and like really own. I still work on it myself and I still kind of coach clients through it when they feel nervous or insecure, which we all do. And unfortunately it just takes practice. That's really the only thing. The only way to get around it is to go through it. And no one wants to hear that. And it's like, I'm sorry for the bad news, but it really does get easier with time, especially if you have a process that's set up. So like you said, you're not having to constantly make decisions about stuff. Like try to decide as much as you can on the front end of your process. Like how many do I want to reach out to each month? And remember, that's like your new number. So it's four unique podcasts in January, four unique podcasts in February. Can you afford to like keep that up over time? Like, do you have the time and energy resources or even the desire to do that? And if you don't, and you still think that podcast guesting is like a viable option for you, think about maybe hiring it out. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. And I love, there are a couple of deep pieces also that you hit on as far as just like, cause you know, this is as a spiritual director, spiritual director and podcast producer, this is such a important space for me, but just the self-work that goes into believing that you would be a good guest for people. Mm -hmm. Also for my hosts, the self-work that goes into believing that you should continually be putting your story, your offerings, your voice out into this world. There's so much, especially for women and folks of other oppressed identities, there's so much that works against us every damn day that 
It tells us not to open our mouths, not to get on recordings, not to be in conversation with people and that what we're offering to folks isn't needed or worth it. So to also make sure that you're doing the, whatever that inner work looks like from day to day, from time to time, for me, I have spiritual practices and I also have a big care team. And that's everything from body work, like chiropractic and energy work to my spiritual director, to breath work, to, you know, journaling, morning pages, all of that, right? Working on my belief in the business and working on my business development, also working on my belief in myself. And I would say also that a huge piece of adding someone to your team in this area is, um, especially for like having a podcast, is the accountability of... So a massive part of my work is helping people maintain their shows simply by the fact that I'm waiting for their episodes. They pay me, Mm, they pay me every month and I'm literally waiting for their episodes every single week. I'm looking for them. I am up in their folders. They've got to email me when it's there. If it's late, they have to tell me, you know, all of that stuff. And that my schedule is dependent on them getting it done on the day that they say that they're going to get done. Mm, so that is so valuable. <laughs> I love that. So it's massive. So, and I can see the accountability piece with the guesting pitching also being a piece as far as like, if somebody's like, oh, I want to be a guest and then they get in touch with you. That was your yes. That was your big yes mm-hmm. person. Like that was your commitment. And like, now it's going to happen. Now it's going to roll. So like do your work to maintain how to be in that space. And when Casey has a like thing for you, you can show sh- like show up fully in your yes. And as you and your great, your great and wonderful value offering to this world. Yeah. I don't think I can stress that enough as far as like, it is really hard. It is very challenging. And there's so much working against us every day to go and to stay public and to make sure that you have your things in line. If you need to hire an editor so that you actually go public, that's amazing. If you need to hire Casey to do guest pitching for you because you want to guess, but you're not putting together the template, you're not putting together the thing. Oh my gosh, by God, do it. You know, like that's, there's a reason that you have a desire to be out there and that is not squashed by the challenge of being out there, I think. So all of that to say, be you, be, be maintain being you and get yourself out there. So Casey, if folks are interested in hiring you for guest pitching or for any of the other things that you mentioned, as far as podcast content, repurposing that kind of thing, what, how, how do they get in contact with you? How can they reach you? They can visit my website. It's caseyhays.com. It's K-A-C-E-Y-H-A-Y-E-S.com. And all of my information is there. You, There's a contact form, email address is there. All my services and pricing are there because I believe in being fully transparent upfront about that. And yeah. I love it. Thank you. And then you and I, we're having conversations around. So people, if you want us to combine forces and offer you one big package, please let us know because we are toying together and we would love, we love working together and we would love working together. So if you're like, oh my gosh, I need both of you please tell us and reach out and we can work on something together. And Casey, I just feel like there's a million more episodes that we could record around all of these things. I have a million questions for you as we wrap up our hour together. So hopefully people will continue to hear your voice in this space as well. Thank you so much for sharing what you've learned and what you've seen and stories from yourself and your own experience with us today as well. Thank you for having me. I would love to come back anytime you want to. Oh my gosh, such a gift. We'll have you back. Thank you. 
Hi, I know I always say this, but I have something I want to tell you. I have another place for us to connect. I created a free Facebook group for anyone that is deconstructing given religious and spiritual beliefs. It's called Deconstructing Christianity. I created this group so that we, people in some form of deconstruction and deconditioning process, can fight the isolation that comes with tearing down, chipping away, and asking questions. I hope for more union than divisiveness, for people that have been told they don't belong to find that they do belong. You belong here. We all belong here. This group is intended to bring us all together to commiserate, but to also get to wonder together. We can ask gentle questions and wonder together at who and how we are, how we're all different, and how that brings such a dynamism and multifaceted picture of humans and spiritual experience to the lens. I know when I started asking questions, it felt like things that used to be so solid were crumbling around me. I know I feared being too far gone and too in the wilderness. If you are new to deconstruction, or if you've been here for years, I want to invite you to the group. At least we're in the wilderness together. But seriously, I want you to get to know that you are not alone, that you're good, and to meet some other folks on the journey too. Join the group through the link in the show notes.